0: And the scripture reading comes from Ruth, unsurprisingly. So this is uh, uh, Ruth uh, chapter 2, verses 5 through 17. Um, Boaz asked the foreman of, uh, of his uh, harvesters, whose young woman is that? The foreman replied, she is the moab uh, Moabite,s who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She went into the field and has worked steadily from morning till now, except uh, for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field, and don't go away from here. Stay here with my servant girls. Watch the field where the men are harvesting, and follow along after the girls. I have told the men not to touch you, and who, uh, whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At, at this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She exclaimed, Why have I uh, found such favor in your eyes that, I, uh, that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told about you uh, about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. How you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have given me comfort and have spoken kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servant girls. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, come, over here, uh, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had uh, some leftover. As she got up to glean, uh, Boaz gave orders to his men. Even if she gathers among the uh, sheaves, don't embarrass her. Rather, pull out some stocks f- uh, for her from the uh, bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't, don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until uh, until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered and it amounted to about an ephah. This is the word of the Lord.
1: I, this has been has been quite a while since I've preached and I don't think I've ever preached while holding the microphone. So this is going to be, I usually like to... Hold on to the pulpit. I can't do that. All right, so... (coughs) All right, I'm going to begin with a modest proposal here about the book of Ruth and that it is misnamed as the book of Ruth. After all, it is one of only two books in the Bible which has the name of a Gentile in its title. And the other of these non-Israelite books is the book of Job, which doesn't take place in Israel. And more importantly, while Job shares a lot in common with a number of characters in the Old Testament... The one that he may share the most in common with is Naomi, who features in the book of Ruth. In fact, Job and Naomi pretty much have the same story told in their respective books. They both begin with a family and land in the first chapter, uh, and then they lose everything, including their children, and their friends come to comfort them, but Job and Naomi only complain about God's hand being against them, and then after some delayed gratification, they get everything back in the end. So for those of you who didn't see the ESG performance on Ruth a couple years ago, I'm going to recount the story of Ruth for you. Um, There's more than just that little passage that we read. So first, there is a famine in Bethlehem. Naomi is married to a man named Elimelech who has land, but said land is apparently infertile during the drought or the famine. The difference between a famine and a drought is important, so hold on to that for later. So Naomi, Elimelech, and their two sons moved to a neighboring country called Moab. They're in Moab for around 10 years, allowing Naomi's sons to take Moabite wives, one of which is named Ruth. And during this 10-year span, all the men die. Elimelech, Naomi's sons, who are named Mahlon and Kilion. (coughs) Pardon me. Naomi is now in a pretty bad place in this uh, ancient Middle East. She's a widow. She is childless. She's living in a foreign land. And when rumor emerges that the famine is over in Bethlehem, she decides that her best move is to go back home. While Ruth's sister, Orpah, elects to remain in Moab with her birth family, Ruth insists on returning to Bethlehem, a town and country that she's never lived in, with Naomi, a woman who does not actually invite Ruth to come with her. What Ruth's motivation for moving to Israel is, we can't be sure. In fact, Ruth doesn't really say that much in the story. Her longest speeches are tend to be quotes of other characters, except for her intentions at the beginning of the story. When she says, where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. She says this to Naomi. So her intention is never to leave Naomi's side, though we don't really know her motivation. Naomi, however, speaks a bit more in the story. When she arrives back in Bethlehem, the townsfolk barely recognize her, asking if this is really Naomi. Naomi says that, in fact, it isn't Naomi. This is Mara. This is a play on words. For Naomi means sweet, and Mara means bitter. So she's saying that you may have known me as sweet when I left, because then I was married, I had two sons, and I was ten years younger. But now I have nothing. The Lord has brought me back empty, so it would be better to call me bitter, Again, kind of like Job. So Naomi is bitter. She doesn't seem like a great person to be lodging with. But Ruth decides to provide for Naomi by gleaning in the fields, which is a social code that acts as a safety net in the era of the story. Uh, What this means is that Ruth follows the harvesters in the field. We got a little description of that. Picking up leftover grains that the harvesters miss. It's menial labor, but it allows Ruth and Naomi some food to eat during this difficult time. However, as one translation puts it, Ruth gleaned in a field and, quote, as luck would have it, it was a piece of land belonging to Boaz. Many people interpret the luck line as ironic because don't we all know that God has been directing her actions all along? Boaz, the owner of the land, sees Ruth, has compassion on her, and sends Ruth back with lots and lots of grain. And when Naomi sees the grain, she perks up and is inspired. Over the next two chapters, Naomi hatches a plan wherein she matches up Boaz, who is a relative of her husband's, with Ruth through the ancient practice called Leveret marriage, which is another kind of social safety net for widows. In this one, rather than having to fend for oneself in random fields, the widow is married off to a relative of her dead husband, and this relative can take her, um, take her, uh, take care of her, sorry. Uh, What makes the situation here so unusual is that Ruth is not merely a widow, but also a foreigner. And there are twists and turns, including a potential rival for Ruth's hand. But by the end of the book, Naomi gets her wish. Boaz takes Ruth as a wife, and they have a child together. So the shape of the book is like many books of the Bible, and then Naomi begins in a type of equilibrium, loses much, and then, like Job, receives back what she lost in the form of property and children. And you may be saying that Ruth is the one who has the baby at the end of the book, but notice that in chapter 417, the women of the town declare that a son has been born to Naomi. So, you can probably guess that I'm proposing that the book should be called the book of Naomi and not the book of Ruth. Naomi is there at the beginning, and the end of her story fits the trajectory of many biblical books which often had a kind of uh, u-shape to them so the book of naomi and not the book of ruth that being said maybe you read the book of ruth and the person you identify with the most is ruth and you're happy calling it the book of ruth she after all is in most of the scenes and makes more appearances in the middle two chapters than naomi (coughs) pardon me also yeah sure thanks <clears throat> Thank you for your hospitality. <clears throat> uh, where was I? Oh, yeah. Um, so she makes she's in most of the scenes, makes more appearances in the middle two chapters than Naomi. And also, as an English major, I could point out this, that by this criterion, the Great Gatsby should be called the Great Nick Carraway because Nick is there at the beginning of the book and at the end, and spoiler alert, unlike Ruth, by the end of The Great Gatsby, Gatsby is dead. So. Which is all to say... The name of the book doesn't even really matter. I spent two pages, t- three pages talking about that. But no, but so why am I bringing up this proposal if it doesn't matter? Because when I was assigned the book of Ruth as a way to talk about hospitality in this season of Epiphany, all my ideas of hospitality were getting jumbled up in the way that hospitality is portrayed in the book of Ruth. It's an open question as to who is the main character and also who is the exemplar of hospitality in the book. Is it Naomi? She's the one who's hosting Ruth in her home, in her country, and with her family. She sets up Ruth with Boaz in order to find Ruth, uh, quote, some security according to the uh, New Revised Standard Version or a home according to the New International Version. But Naomi also tries to get Ruth to stay in Moab, where uh, Ruth is from and not return to her house. What kind of a host tells their guests not to come to their home? The text says that Naomi stops speaking to Ruth when Ruth proposes that she return with Naomi back in Israel, and Naomi seems to be quite aloof to her daughter-in-law until Ruth comes back to her house several days later with a bunch of food. When we look at Ruth, however, the foreign widow and guest in Naomi, who has few rights in this foreign land, she is the epitome of selfless generosity. She's the one who brings back food to her mother-in-law after all. And remember when Ruth says where you go, I will go, where you lodge, I will lodge, your people shall be my people, and your God, my God, where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. The story seems to indicate that her motivation might be to take care of Naomi in her elderly state. Naomi, of her own admission, is too old to have children who might take care of her, so Ruth returns with Naomi in order to provide for her mother-in-law, even if all she can do is glean in the fields of wealthier people. While in the field, in fact, her fame has spread, and this is where we hear our passage from today, from the mouth of Boaz, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told me, how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. So even though we have now changed the name of the book to the book of Naomi, Ruth is clearly the more hospitable one. So that's right, a foreigner who has no husband, no property, and speaks a foreign language, a similar language, but foreign still and can leave her homeland and be the more proper host. And so we see Ruth as a guest caring for her mother-in-law, committing to her life in a pretty radical way, skewing the divide between being a host and a guest. This may be by design. It's hard to know exactly what the book of Ruth is trying to do. It's a good story after all, but that's not enough to make it scripture. Remember when I said that many people interpret the as luck would have it line as ironic, It's not obviously ironic. I think most people enter into the story knowing that it must be saying something theological and it doesn't seem to fit a biblical theology to count Ruth's entering into Boaz's field as merely happenstance. But the text is not clear. The narrator really does say that Ruth just so happened to happen upon a certain man's field. But if that is all just a coincidence, then there are a lot of mere coincidences in this story. And the biggest one is there at the end of the book, when we find out that the child that Ruth slash Naomi has will have a child called Jesse, and that Jesse will have a child named David who will be the greatest king in the history of Israel. And the reason that is a big deal is because David's great-grandmother is an insignificant Moabite widow who has had to insist on immigrating into Israel in order to take care of her mother-in-law. And this big reveal at the end of the book that Ruth the Moabite is the great-grandmother of David might be enough of a story to include in the Bible, but there's plenty more in Ruth that is significant. For those of us who follow Christ, it's a tiny book with so much to say, including what I've been alluding to the whole time, which is that the reason it's so difficult to determine who is the host and who is the guest is because Ruth puts into question the very notion of insider versus outsider and the family of God. Moab was not merely a neighboring nation. It was a nation in regular conflict with Israel, the book of Ruth takes place during the time of the Judges. Well, in the book of the Judges, the king of Moab subdues Israel, and an Israelite warlord assassinates the king of Moab in response. So it's during this period of the Judges where Naomi decides to emigrate to Moab. Remember what I said, that there is a difference between a drought and a famine. Well, a drought is meteorological. A famine is political. If there is drought, it means that it is not rained. But if there is If there was a famine in the land, it means that people were hungry for reasons that may not be meteorological at all. When we see that Naomi returns to Bethlehem, the town was not empty for those 10 years she was gone. Rather, there were plenty of people hanging about. It does raise the question of how welcome Naomi and her family were in Bethlehem when they left, and for what reason. Why did Naomi return? Because, as the text says, she heard that the Lord had visited his people to give them food. I think I'd always imagine that this means the rains finally came. It may still mean that. But it has been 10 years, and Moab is not even 50 kilometers east of Bethlehem. If there had been a drought in Bethlehem that entire time, then there likely would have been some sort of a drought in Moab as well. And they had land back in Bethlehem. So here's a thought experiment. If you were to travel 50 kilometers east of Bethlehem today, you would end up in Jordan now that Moab doesn't exist but you travel 50 kilometers west from Bethlehem today and you would be in the Gaza Strip. And right now, there's plenty of food in Bethlehem, but there is effectively a famine in Gaza. According to the World Food Program, 64.4% of people in Gaza are food insecure because of political reasons and not because of lack of rain. So is the situation that Naomi faced at the beginning of Ruth, um, is this the situation, sorry. Uh, There was hunger in Bethlehem, and Bethlehem is um, another play on words, means house of bread or house of food. And they were taken in by the house of their enemy. The insiders became outsiders and the outsiders demonstrated hospitality. And when they returned to the house of bread, back where Naomi should be an insider, it is again the outsider who shows her hospitality in her own home. Now let's look again at our passage where Boaz describes Ruth's journey to Israel. Let me preface this by reiterating that there are very few theological statements made by the narrator in the book of Ruth. And as we've seen above, the text raises more questions than answers. There are, however, a few places where the characters in the story interpret their own experiences theologically. And one of those is when Boaz says, May the Lord reward you for your deeds, and may you have a full reward from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. We know that what... Boaz's praise here comes to fruition. Ruth receives security in the home of Boaz and bears a son, a son being important for women to maintain that security in ancient societies. But how she receives that full reward from the Lord is quite clever. A few months after this episode, Ruth is still gleaning in the fields, but the harvesting seasons are over, and Naomi hatches a plan, which we do not have time to explore today, but it leads to Ruth surprising Boaz at night and saying, "...spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer." Now, you're going to have to trust me when I say that the word for garment here is the same word for wings in chapter 2. There seems to be a purposeful call back to the previous statement by Boaz. May you have a full reward from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. It's almost like Ruth is saying, "...I know you said I sought refuge under the wing of the Lord." but it seems to me that you are that wing. Boaz is moved by this statement to the point of actually fulfilling Ruth's request. It's not enough, Ruth is saying, for you to pray for my welcome into your town when you have the capability of making me welcome. Much of what we see here in Ruth is reiterated in the life and teaching of Jesus. For one thing, it's difficult to determine with any consistency whether Jesus is a host or a guest. He claims to not even have a home, He invites himself to other people's homes, but he also offers welcome to those who need it. He accepts gifts from those who are able to offer them, as we saw last week in the epiphany story, and gives gifts to those in need, including his very life. But Jesus is also not afraid to make demands of people who are able to provide hospitality to the outsider. He challenges leaders' interpretations of the law, including on whether his disciples have the right to glean in grain fields to conquer their own hunger. At other times, he makes demands on his disciples as when he tells them to feed 5,000 people. It's part of the mission of this church to participate in the generous welcome of God. Sometimes that requires us to be hosts and sometimes guests. Sometimes it may not be clear which is which. What we can learn from Ruth, Naomi, Boaz, and Jesus is that your status in the community is not much of a concern. Consider what is said of Ruth at the very end of the book. That Ruth, a daughter-in-law, a foreign woman, in a patriarchal culture who left her home behind to take care of her mother-in-law, is better to Naomi than seven sons. All are welcome here to share in the joy and labor of following Jesus. This is a quote, by the way, on the website. Um, I had trouble finishing this sermon. So... um, (laughs) All are welcome to share in the joy and labor of following Jesus, cultivating community, practicing hospitality, and celebrating the kingdom of God. All these things, following Jesus, cultivating community, and practicing hospitality, are all part of celebrating the kingdom of God.